Do you want to make more Dynasty trades? Sure, we all do. Tune in once a week to the Trade Addicts podcast and see how easy it is to train to be a great Dynasty trader. At Trade Addicts Pod, thousands of men and women have prepared to win championships without sacrificing value. And now, from your phone, car, or computer, you can learn to increase your team's Dynasty value. Many topics such as Keep Trade Buy, Make Amends, and Trade Addicts Trades will get you ready to make your own trades. So make the important call right now and check out the Trade Addicts Podcast. Podcast. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superflex City, and this is a Superflex Super gotta give it legs and let it run you know just gotta let it run free it's always an adventure doing that intro it's actually always an adventure (laughs) this this entire you know getting working our way into the topic uh of the day is always an adventure here on the super flex super show i mean i i know what i want to talk about today i want to talk about the super flex flywheel you know, but I, I don't, I'm not a scripted type of guy. I don't know how I'm going to get there exactly. I usually don't. Uh, as evidenced by our last episode, you know, talking about, you know, quarterback consistency, streaming within the roster, you know, the reasons to go quarterback extreme, you know, what you, the, the type of scoring advantage that you can create. You know, with five quarterbacks on your roster and the ability to stream them, the ability to cherry pick matchups, you know, it, we we went over all of that stuff. But but and I had no idea that it was going there, but it all st- like the episode just kind of started off with, you know, me kind of going after data driven analysis. And uh, yeah, I had I had no idea it was going there. It sounds like maybe I was a little bit unfair with that. Um, I was told that I kind of straw manned the uh, the the data driven sect of the uh, fantasy football analysis, uh, the industry, I suppose. And um, I mean, I do remember saying, you know, this isn't directed at anyone in particular. In fact, there, I actually remember saying that there are a lot of that there are a lot of analysts who who are not guilty of this like it's it's more kind of the concepts uh with statistics now i will say you know that there are analysts out there who who do kind of subscribe to the idea that everything you need to know like i said last week is is there on the stat sheet 
you know, right there in the box score. You don't have to watch the game. You don't have to get the context. That's not all of them. That's definitely not all of them. In fact, the good ones, you know, the 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 great ones, the Peter Howards, the JJ Zacharysons, you know, those those guys, that that group of you know, the 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 truly great data-driven analysts know that there's context that you have to gain by watching the game, right? There's context that has to be considered that kind of propel those numbers in the direction that, you know, that, that you're going to ultimately chase them down. They get that. So, you know, it's, it's not all data-driven analysts by any means. And honestly, the, you know, the big issue for me is just statistics in general just kind of allows for some lazy analysis if you if you allow yourself to slip into that not all do the great ones don't but it's 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 easy to do and you know you end up kind of chasing the wrong things you end up looking at the numbers the wrong way and again you end up just ignoring context i don't want to backstroke too much out of that because you know, there's most of it I do stand by. I just, I just want to make sure that that we're clear that you know they're they're data driven analysts who are very good at this and who recognize, you know, that they recognize kind of those pitfalls. So, but yeah, I mean, back to the back to the original point. Like I said, it's it's always it's always an adventure. I never know how I'm going to get to the point. Exactly, but you know, I I find out eventually it's unscripted, it's raw, it's and it's not I don't edit for vanity. I've always said I I refuse to edit for vanity, you know. I don't want to you know, to to clean up my thoughts just to you know, to make myself look more more polished. You know, that's that's I don't think that does either of us any good. You know, it's kind of what you see is what you get. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I, I do want to stay true to that. And, you know, just, just share my, my real thoughts rather than just kind of, you know, cleaning it up and making it into this, like, this, like I said, overly polished overly manufactured view of of fantasy football of dynasty and of superflex so anyways i guess that's the way that we're going to start this episode of the superflex super show i had no idea i honestly didn't i i knew that i wanted to address uh some of those some of those thoughts from the last episode i also want to address the fact that here i am about a week late on this episode coming out, um, some technical difficulties and, uh, um, that, that prevented me from releasing this episode sooner. Um, and actually like I, I had recorded it once, uh, with a completely different intro, (laughs) completely different lead in, and, uh, but then lost that to the ether. That's happened twice now this off season. What's going on here? It's a damn conspiracy, I tell you. And uh, 
Yeah, I, I, what I do, what I do intend to do here is to make it up to you in a variety of ways. First of all, multiple episodes coming out this week. Um, you know, I, I've been talking nothing but startups, right? This whole, this whole off season, it's been nothing but startup talk. And here's the thing, and I, I, you know, I talked a little bit about this on the Super Flexible podcast with my guy Swags, you know, over available over in Super Flex City, and I believe on the Super Flexible feed, I'm sure it is. Um, but you know, I was kind of saying, here's like here's here's kind of my view of it again. I had no idea that this was going to happen, but here it is. <laughs> this is this is happening. I didn't know it would, but here here we are. All right, so here's my view on this. Because all we want to talk about is rookies. First of all, there's so much speculation to it right now. You know, you love these guys as a player. I've got my favorites. I've got my favorites at each position. I recognize that Trevor Lawrence is the 101 in Superflex, is going to continue to be 101 in Superflex. It's going to be the 101 in the NFL draft. And, you know, he's going to a really a pretty good situation with Urban Myers and, you know, three deep at wide receiver in a good running game, good offensive line, good young defense. You know, everything's kind of in place. Nothing can really change for Trevor Lawrence, you know, at least in terms of football. <laughs> um, he's going to be 101. And, you know, it, that's it is what it is. But beyond him... You know, everyone's kind of got their opinions on the hierarchy on the rest of the quarterbacks. Most people love Justin Fields as the number two. I prefer Zach Wilson. You know, one of the now that now that Adam Gase is out of the way, I'm free to agree with the New York Jets on something. I think Zach Wilson is the second best quarterback in the in this uh, this year's rookie class. You know, I, I think I, I mean I think Justin Fields is is gonna be great as well. I think that Trey Lance scares me. I really wanna like Trey Lance. I always I, what I do like about Trey Lance is, you know, the the confidence um in his abilities. I just I I I mean I've I've mentioned this before. I'm just not a fan of you know, run first quarterbacks. And I think that's kind of what we're getting with Trey Lance. He's his, you know, his, his throwing motion to me is a little bit awkward and it shows that there hasn't been, you know, a ton of work on it until just fairly recently in his young career. You know, when you come in with a weird throwing motion and they kind of help clean it up for you, like you can kind of tell, you can kind of tell that this is meant to be a, uh, this is kind of a, a patch job, kind of a Bondo job on the, on the, on the throwing motion, um, you know, just by looking at it. And I don't know. I, I just, I, I always just wonder, like, what happens to these guys when you take away the ability to run? That's been my thing with Lamar Jackson every step of the way. Is he, you know, is he great as a running back? Of course. <laughs> as a quarterback, I'm sorry, that was a Freudian slip. Is he a great rushing quarterback? Yes. What happens, though, if you take away the ability to run? You know, is he going to be able to stand in the pocket and deliver the football? 
I mean, to me, he's one of the worst in the leagues, in the league when it comes to that. That's something. That's a take that's gotten me in a lot of trouble before, but that's that's kind of where I am with him. That's how I feel about Trey Lance as well. I think Justin Fields has some work that needs to be done in the in the passing game, but I think he's got a skill set where he's going to kind of settle into, you know, being a pocket passer. Um, a little bit like Russell Wilson. You know, that's. To me, that's kind of the comparison just because, you know, Russell Wilson came into the league as a running quarterback who is capable of throwing the ball. And then, you know, early on they let him just kind of run around, but and then they started to to tighten the leash and say, you know, this is our franchise. We need him standing in the pocket. I mean, you can scramble and, and extend the play. But we need you to throw the ball. <laughs> we need you to not take off and run and get hit. You know, for the for the good of this franchise, for the longevity of this franchise and of, of your own career by extension, you know, we we need we need you to to start throwing the ball and, you know, not looking to take off and run quite as much. And and it was an easy transition for him. He's one of the best one of the best pocket passers in the league, one of the best throwers on the move in the league. And, oh, by the way, he can still run just as well. I mean, he's he's a top five rushing quarterback as well when he needs it. You know, when it's time to break the glass, it's there for him. And he's as, as good, if not better, than, you know, all but maybe one or two quarterbacks in the NFL. So, you know, that's that's the type of thing, like, that's what I think you get with Justin Fields. It's just that that part still has to develop a little bit. I'm not scared of it. I just think that, you know, it's it's going to take a little bit of time to develop that particular skill set. Whereas I think with Zach Wilson, you get a guy who's pro-ready as far as standing in the pocket and throwing, and certainly throwing on the move, you know, avoiding pressure, and making good hard throws with accuracy, you know. So, anyways, that's that's a that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. You know, Zach Wilson is number two for me, but you know, I I I, I <laughs> there's only so much certainty that I can put behind that, and that's what we're all doing. We're going off of you know, pro days, we're going off of what we saw in college against, you know, inferior defenses. We're, you know, we're going off of, there's just a lot of speculation involved. And a lot of this is going to change. A lot of this is going to get cleared up once we have NFL landing spots and once we have draft capital. You know, those two things make up, it, it, it makes a huge difference. And it's kind of the same at the other positions. I really like Rondale Moore a lot. You know, Jamar Chase, obviously, he's kind of like the Trevor Lawrence at the wide receiver position. He's the slam dunk. And I think most people agree with that. That seems to be a little bit more of a hot take. (laughs) But, um, But still, I think most people are kind of on board with that. My second favorite is Rondale Moore, but I again I, I think landing spot is gonna be huge for these wide receivers. 
somebody's going to end up in a great position with the opportunity to be the number one in a, you know, in a good offense. Or, you know, even it doesn't even have to be a particularly good offense. I mean, you know, give me the number one in Detroit because there's just, I, quite frankly, nobody else to throw to other than the tight end. <laughs> there's there's no competition for targets in Detroit. You know, but a, a guy like Rondale Moore, it's going to depend a lot on his landing spot. Are they going to have the opportunity? Are they going to be creative with him? Are they going to have the opportunity to be creative with Rondale Moore and how they get him the ball. Super athletic dude. But, you know, he's not going to be that. He Obviously, he's not going to be that big-bodied alpha, you know, chain mover type, target hog type. Like, he's not going to be that guy. He's going to be a little bit more of a cad uh, of a gadget type of guy in the, you know, kind of a Debo Samuel, Tyreek Hill type of way. So, you know, he's he's going to land in the right spot for that to hold up. And that goes for a lot of these wide receivers, you know. Where do they land? Same with the running backs, you know. Somebody's going to land in Pittsburgh is to, and become the new starting running back for the Steelers, and they don't take the running back off the field. You know, he's got to be pretty tired and pretty thirsty to come off of the field for for any amount of time whatsoever for Mike Tomlin. But, you know, so that's that's kind of the landing spot. Whoever lands there is going to get a huge jump, especially if it happens, you know, fairly early in the draft. Maybe somebody even gets drafted in the first round. I'm not really counting on it. It's not a good enough running back class. You know, but it's possible. It seems to happen every year that at least one running back goes in the first round, whether they should or not. And that guy, whoever it is, is going to end up with, you know, he's going to end up rising up in in ADP as well. So, you know, there's so much of this that, that can still change, right? With the running back position, or with, you know, with this rookie class in general. And on top of the uh, on top of all that, I mean, we're making four picks. <laughs> like in in most, I like I get it. The in dynasty leagues, this is it. This is the event, right? You know, you did your startup last year, two years ago, five years ago, whatever. This is the only real event that we've got. But you know, I think that a lot of people are still doing startups right now. And I can tell you for ex- from experience, I mean, the, you know, this startup that I actually would like to, to talk about a startup today as part of the, the discussion of the Superflex flywheel. I want to talk about a specific roster for you, a, spe- a specific startup that I just did. And it's, it has 30 roster spots. Like, I had to make 30 picks. And real quick, like, just let me make a, a, just a quick, just kind of a quick spoiler, a quick kind of foreshadowing on, on the Superflex flywheel. I want every single one of those 30 players to be usable. I don't want somebody on my, on my roster, on my bench, who is not going to be a consideration to start. That's going to be a big part of the Superflex flywheel. So, 
you know, if I want all 30 of my of my players to be usable, you know, they've got to be they have to be very deliberate picks with a lot of thought that goes into it, a lot of strategy that goes into it. So if I have to make 30 good picks in this one startup and then I have to make four rookie picks in this dynasty that's in year 5, I mean, I, I just speaking for myself alone, I know which one I would rather hear, you know, fantasy analysts talking about right now. <laughs> Help me make those 30 picks. I'll figure it out with those four picks. And, you know, by the way, the first and second round of the rookie draft are the only ones with really any kind of, you know, any kind of hope. <laughs> like the third and fourth rounds, it's such a crapshoot. The hit rates are so low that I just don't even feel like, you know, there's there's a whole lot to be to be gained by, you know, spending any kind of time trying to figure out who to pick with those draft picks. So, I mean, we're kind of down to two picks, two consequential rookie picks versus 30 in the startup. Now, maybe you're not doing any startups this year, you know, and so this is a little bit, it's a little bit lost on you that we keep talking startups. And, you know, I, I first, I, I mean, I think that you're probably in the minority there. I think most of us are going to do at least one startup this year. And we would love to have some strategy for it going into it. Other thing is, I do intend to make that up to you a little bit. <laughs> so, you know, the fact that we have been talking so much about about startup strategy, you know, that's going to continue today. But like I said, multiple episodes coming this week. I've got a great guest coming up later this week, and we're going to talk. We're going to talk rookie strategy together. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just so I'm not completely ignoring the rookie draft, I'm not completely leaving everybody out to dry, you know, when it comes to rookie strategy and rookie evals and stuff like that, I know it's rookie season. Everybody wants to kind of focus on that. I just, I, I just don't want to leave anybody out in the cold when you're trying to do startups. And to me, like, this is the time of year to be doing startups, do them before the rookie draft. Do them before the NFL draft so that you can include rookie picks in the startup. You can draft those those rookie picks as well. And then, you know, it gives more value to the overall startup. There's just one kind of one more asset. You know, it's almost like its own position. There's the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, the tight ends, the running backs, and the rookie picks. You know, and they all kind of have their own unique values and kind of their unique strategies. So, you know, I think it's a great time to be doing startups right now when you can include those rookie picks. And then, you know, and then and it, to me where the rookie, where the all of the rookie talk should really come in is right after the NFL draft. Now we've got the information that we need. And now we're going to actually have some rookie drafts starting. Right. We're going to now we've got landing spots. We know draft capital, you know, all of this stuff. And now the rookie drafts are actually coming up. They kind of take center stage for, a, you know, a month or two. 
and then we can get back to startups and you know into redraft a little bit but like that that's a timeline that makes more sense to me i know that most people don't agree with that most people really just want to talk about rookies right now even in the middle of a startup <laughs> you still want to hear about rookies not not you know the super flex flywheel necessarily but I do think that there's a faction of you out there um, who who are listening uh, to this episode not for the, all this rookie talk and not for all of this, you know, justification for not talking about rookies more. <laughs> I think that you do want to hear about startups. I think you're enjoying the conversation. I know I am. I hope you are as well. I got. I. I mean, I've been getting a lot of good feedback. Tells me that. You know, maybe we're doing the right thing here, talking about startups. So let's continue that discussion. So we've been talking about quarterback extreme, right? Quarterback extreme is is kind of the most controversial piece, although I, my personal belief is, you know, when we get into the super flex flywheel here, like we're just about to. To me, probably the most uncomfortable part to people like even more than the quarterback. Like a quarterback is easy to ex- to explain. Quarterback extreme, five quarterbacks. You know, early and often quarterbacks. You know that part's easy to explain. Why do we go quarterback early? Because we're trying to go quarterback often. We need to get to five of them. They dry up around the 10th, you know, 12th round, something like that. And we don't want to be in a position later in the draft where we're taking five straight quarterbacks even when you know the value is absolutely horrible when we're scraping the bottom of the barrel for starting quarterbacks even though there are very good wide receivers and running backs available to us we don't want to be in that position so you start early right you start in the first round so that you get to five you know by the seventh or eighth round maybe ninth or 10th, something like that. And your fifth quarterback is that kind of, you know, bottom tier starter. Guys in the Andy Dalton, Drew Locke, Cam Newton range, Jared Goff, you know, guys like that. That's the group, Ryan Fitzpatrick, that's the group that we're drawing from for our fifth quarterback, not our third. So, and the reason to go quarterback often is the ability to stream within your roster. We're actually going to talk about that in just a second, but you know, the last episode really kind of focused on that quite a bit. Go back and give that a listen if you haven't already. So that part's easy to explain. The wide receiver position, though, <laughs> in their their place in the Superflex flywheel is it, that one feels very uncomfortable to people. I'm going to do my best to explain it, at least to start to explain it. I'll have more numbers to kind of back this up as we go along. Um, But, you know, just just to kind of lay the groundwork a little bit. You know, it's basically essentially what I want for the, the, what the Superflex flywheel would, would call for is, you know, your starters, however many starting wide receiver spots you've got, not flex, just wide receivers, and then a backup for each one of them. Because you're going to rubber stamp those guys at the wide receiver positions. You know, they're only coming out for bye weeks, the occasional injury, you know, and then you just replace them with some other guy. So 
we don't want a lot of depth there. There's kind of no reason to if you're not going to ever be replacing them. You know, there's no reason to have a seventh or eighth wide receiver who's never going to make it into your roster. And that's where I said earlier, I want all of my players to be usable. Even 30, when I've got 30 roster spots, I know that feels, it feels like it's not really doable. It's not really, you know, possible to get 30 guys who are all going to be, you know, considerations to start on a week-to-week basis. And maybe not all of them will, but it's going to be close, honestly. You know, I kind of view this a little bit as like a, like the, like the cockpit in a, in an airplane. When, when you're piloting an airplane, you've got all these different controls, all these different dials and all these different buttons and switches and everything. And all of them have different functions and you need all of them, you know, some of them are more important than others. You know, the steering wheel is more important than, than, you know, but you know, you can kind of adjust the pitch and, and, you know, the, the, the engine speeds and every, everything like that. There's all these different controls that you've got at your disposal. I want to be working all the controls of my roster every single week. I don't want any dead buttons that don't do anything. You know, I want the ability to, to just kind of manage my entire roster, make decisions with my entire roster and just run all the controls of the entire roster make decisions at every position, you know, and it can be based on matchups. It can be based on, you know, who's hot, who seems to be in the middle of kind of a breakout. It, it, you know, all of that stuff comes into play, but I don't want so much, so much depth at the wide receiver position that I've got guys that it's like, all right, that's a dead button. That guy is not going to get into my lineup. There's there's kind of no path. Like even if even if he plays beyond his potential, he's not getting into my lineup. You know, because my starters are just too good. There's no room for that guy in my lineup. So, you know, that's that's kind of the that's part of the premise at least of the Superflex flywheel. Let me explain the the Superflex flywheel and and kind of the easiest way to do it. I wrote an article uh, last summer, uh, actually a series of articles, called A Superflex Life. The final volume, volume six, was called The Superflex Flywheel. And, you know, it, it also kind of summarized the entire article series. Um, I'll, uh, let, me, let me make a note real quick here um, to link the article in the show notes. Uh, you can also get to it. So my pinned tweet has the link to my link tree, which has, uh, it's got links to, um, I know it's got a link to the, to the podcast itself, which you've already clearly found. It's got a link to my, uh, to my rankings over at dynastyleaguefootball.com. And it's got links to each of the, the individual articles in the Superflex Life series. So, you know, even though it's close to a year old, a lot of it is, you know, mostly pretty evergreen, and you can go back and check that out. It talks a lot about quarterback values, which, 
you know, that's we've kind of shifted the focus a little bit this offseason. But in this final volume of a Superflex Life, titled The Superflex Flywheel, I kind of talked about, you know, the 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 way the positions work together and really kind of got into the idea of streaming quarterbacks within your roster. So I, you know, rather than just kind of fumble through this, I'm just going to read you some excerpts real quick from, uh, from that article. So this is, uh, this is from a Superflex Live, Volume 6, Superflex Flywheel. The four fantasy positions work together to keep each other, keep each of the other positions moving forward without slowing down. When a roster is built around running back power, but doesn't have quarterbacks to support them, an injury or two at running back, the position of the highest risk of injury, by the way, will seize the engine and bring the entire machine to a halt. A flywheel stores and distributes kinetic energy. They provide continuous power output in systems where the energy source is not continuous. So just think about the engine in your car. If you took off at full speed every time you applied any amount of pressure to the gas pedal and then came to a complete stop the second you took your foot off of the gas pedal, we would all be walking around with broken necks from the whiplash. And it would take hours to travel across the city 10 feet at a time. The flywheel stores the energy and continues to apply it to the drive shaft even after you take your foot off the gas so that the wheels continue to spin and you continue to move forward at a regulated speed. It holds the energy until you need it, and then distributes it, distributes it where it's needed. So let's put the flywheel on our dynasty engine. We don't want to lose energy and momentum to the inertia of one component. Build the roster into the flywheel during the startup, so the machine will keep moving forward as it distributes its power to whichever position needs a boost. Here's how. Quarterbacks. In 2019, the top five defenses against fantasy quarterbacks allowed an average of 12.3 points per game to quarterbacks. The, top, the bottom five defenses against fantasy quarterbacks allowed 21.1 points per game to the position. So getting a quarterback in a great matchup yielded an extra nine points per game on average than rubber stamping a quarterback into your lineup, even in a bad matchup. Guess what you can do if you have five quarterbacks instead of just two? So side note, we this is exactly what we talked about last week, just with a slightly different statistical angle. Ability to play matchups at quarterback and adding nine extra points by avoiding a bad matchup and capitalizing on a good matchup is like adding another starter to your lineup and starting 11 players against your opponent's 10. If you do that at both quarterback and super flex, you can add up to 18 points two starters to your lineup. And that's just an average. In reality, getting two quarterbacks with capped upside for the week out of your lineup and replacing them with two quarterbacks with high floors and monster upside would yield well over 20 points in a given week and upwards of 40 extra points. Side note, you know, we proved that last <laughs> last episode. Suddenly, your running backs don't have to do anything because the two quarterbacks in primo matchups more than cover for them. Rostering five, five quarterbacks allows them to distribute their power throughout your lineup and overall roster 
rather than making another position pick up the slack for them. Wide receivers. Once you have the young wide receivers filling all starting wide receiver spots, we aren't worried about flex spots in this case, just the starting wide receiver spots, the position is mostly complete, since wide receivers are less likely to be injured than running backs, and they won't be replaced on the field. We can lock in those starting wide receivers for the rest of their career expectancy, minus bye weeks and the occasional injury. Add in a backup to each starting wide receiver, and one or two rookie wide receiver lotto tickets, and this depth chart is set. You heard me right. If your lineup calls for two starting wide receivers, we want no more than four startable wide receivers and another one or two developmental wide receivers on taxi. That's it. Anything more is a waste of roster space, and the wide receivers in the flywheel begin to pull energy from the running backs. People love to load up on wide receiver depth because of their long-term stability, but when when will you ever start that eighth wide receiver? Even in the event that you suffer so many injuries and bye weeks that you need an eighth wide receiver, one of your taxi squad rookies can be promoted to fill in for the week, or you can find a one-week rental on waivers. The two starters are locked in, the two backups will start during bye weeks, and the two lotto tickets will challenge for a starting job if they break out, making the older veterans expendable in, in trades. Any other wide receivers who have little or no path to starting for you should be passed over in the startup, traded away to clear space, or dropped outright. The flywheel needs the space for running backs. Running backs. With running backs coming and going all within a two- to four-year window, there is constant turnover at the position. Every offseason, several starting running backs are demoted within the dynasty hierarchy and replaced by a new crop, and to top it all off, they get hurt and or benched in season so that we are constantly looking for a replacement. This offseason alone, we've, you know, just off the top of my head, this is a side note, by the way, this wasn't part of the article, but this offseason alone, you know, just off the top of my head, we've lost, what, David Johnson has kind of stopped being fantasy viable, Todd Gurley no longer fantasy viable, Kenyon Drake no longer fantasy viable. There are other guys. You know, again, that's just Mark Ingram no longer fantasy viable. Those are just some of the guys off the top of my head. There are others, you know, just to name a few. Throughout the season, the running back position comes in waves. The season begins with all healthy starters taking on a workhorse or even a bell cow role, but they get hurt or they get benched. And by midseason, their backups are carrying the load for both for their NFL teams and for our fantasy teams. Then, with the fantasy playoffs hanging in the balance, the backup gets hurt or otherwise replaced by someone you never even heard of or forget was still in the league. Now, we know how powerful a good running back can be. It doesn't matter if he was the week one starter or not. Once he was a starting, once he has the starting job, he has the ability to give us 20-plus fantasy points in a given week. That is the running back contribution to the flywheel. But our flywheel has to compromise with the running back position and keep our roster fully stocked with running backs in order to get that immense fantasy scoring. We can't get enough running backs. 
even if the guy is buried on his team's preseason depth chart, he's probably going to be startable for you at some point in the season. Even if you have never heard of the running back, you're going to learn all about him when he becomes fantasy relevant in the fantasy playoffs. We do still want the top-tier running backs as well, because in the worst-case scenario, they represent the first wave of running backs, and they help us win early in the season. Now and then, one of them will even stay healthy and productive for most or all of the fantasy season. Then, mercifully, the season will end, and several running backs will be replaced on their NFL rosters, leaving you with a need to restock the position. This is why we stabilize the quarterback position and give ourselves trade ammo. And this is why we go young and lean at wide receivers so they don't get in the way of the running back herd. We have roster space for more running backs, we have currency to spend on them, and we have a nice wide window with our longer-term assets so that it, and so that a running back can stop by for a year or two, then leave again with only a footprint as a reminder of his time in our lives. All without throwing off our flywheel throwing our flywheel out of sync. So here's a flywheel breakdown. Assuming full PPR, Superflex, a 24-man roster with four taxi squad spots, 10 starters with two each at wide receiver and running back. Here's a makeup of a flywheel roster. Quarterbacks, five established starters on active roster, maybe one rookie on taxi. Wide receivers, four established vets on active roster, Maybe two rookies on taxi. Tight ends. I didn't talk, side note, I didn't talk about the tight end position. I just kind of mixed them in with the wide receivers, honestly. It's kind of the same basic process. One starter, one backup. Um, the greater, that's, that's without a tight end premium. The greater the tight end premium, the more important those guys become, the more of them that we want. I'm going to get to that in a minute as well. But let's just finish off the excerpts from this article. Tight end, one starter and one high-end upside on active roster, one rookie on taxi. The remaining 13 spots are filled with running backs, ideally with at least one high-end starter and two to four pass-catching specialists. With this roster construction, each position sustains itself and complements the others. It leaves us with significant trade value when we need it, and a high production floor in the meantime. We even get a high production ceiling from this roster as we platoon starters at both quarterback and running back to exploit favorable matchups and ext- extract production from the two highest scoring positions. We have a little bit of room to play matchups at wide receiver and tight end as well, but the difference between a good matchup and a bad matchup ends up being ne- negligible and we can make up for a down game from a wide receiver with a big game from any quarterback or running back. And that's what the flywheel is all about. The even distribution of both value and production throughout the lineup and roster. A wide receiver has a down game, and a running back makes up for it with a great game. A running back loses trade value, and a quarterback supplements him in a trade. This roster works in perfect harmony from setting a lineup to retooling the collection of players in the offseason. In every phase of the dynasty calendar, the flywheel takes the energy from its source and moves it to the part of the machine that is beginning to fall behind the rest. 
So that's that's kind of that's from the article, and I would love to have you go back and read not only that article but the entire series available at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Again, I've uh, linked them. It's in my pinned tweet. So at Superflex, dude, very top tweet, <laughs> my pinned tweet. It's got uh, my link tree, and from there you can get links to every one of the articles. Um, I I would encourage you to read them in order, but I mean you can you can start wherever you want. Uh, this wasn't a whole article on the Superflex flywheel. I uh, just kind of took out some of the salient points, and uh, you know, just to just to kind of you know really kind of frame what the flywheel does and how the flywheel you know really kind of works. So, I would love to have you check that out. By the way, but. Uh, what I so from there, I think what I would like to do is to kind of apply this, I suppose. You know, I I would like to. Uh, I want to show you. I I want to. Well, I can't show you. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is uh, not a uh, a visual medium here. So, <laughs> but I want to tell you about a draft I just did. I I I generally don't like to do this. Like, uh, like, I don't like to, I mean, you know, the old saying out there is, n- you know, nobody else cares about your roster but you. First of all, it's not totally true. Um, I love seeing a well-constructed roster, you know, kind of the way I, I like to go to the art museum and observe something that somebody else painted. I like, I like looking at a roster that somebody else constructed and just kind of admiring the artwork, you know, I actually really do, um, and a lot of times, I, I mean, not a lot of times, I, I like hearing the path to get there as well, um, but I know that, you know, that's not everybody, uh, that's, that's unique to, you know, me and a handful of other people, so I don't like to bore you with my rosters, it's just that in this particular case, I think that we can kind of you know, we can kind of talk about the flywheel and, you know, we can, we can kind of put some context to the roster while we are, you know, kind of discussing, um, you know, the, the way the, the various positions of this roster of this flywheel just kind of, you know, work together, um, you know, kind of that kind of symbiotic relationship between the, the various positions. And again, you know, kind of one thing to keep in mind here is settings. Settings kind of change things. So this is a this is a Superflex Dynasty put together by, you know, my friend Rocky from the Dynasty uh, Dynasty Addicts Addicts Podcast Network. Um, now he's part of the Trade Addicts, also part of the uh, Dynasty Junkies. And, uh, yeah, he put together this league. Um, him and I had a, uh, a discussion, if you will, a, a little bit of a debate um, a couple months ago, debating the quarterback extreme strategy. And we'll do more of that. But, you know, he, he also wanted to put the two strategies up against each other and, um, you know, be able to kind of compare these rosters. So he put together this this league 12 teams like i said it's 30 roster spots that's the the roster that we're going to talk about here 
six point passing touchdowns. <laughs> so, you know, quarterbacks, especially the quarterbacks who are more, you know, pocket passers have pretty significant value. Running quarterbacks have the same value relative to the rest of the player pool. You know, Lamar Jackson is still worth more than, you know, to me, at least, you know, any running back or any wide receiver. But, you know, he also, he probably takes a little bit of a hit within the the quarterback position. Uh, This is also a tight end premium league, and the tight ends get an entire point per reception more than the other two positions. So two points per reception for tight ends. That's that's big. That's powerful and that comes into play for sure. You know, that's that's enough to compel me to prioritize wide or uh, tight ends a little bit. And so I talked about this a, a couple episodes ago, but essentially the way I I try to approach the tight end position is kind of mix them in with the tight with the wide receivers and just call them all the pa- the pass catchers. They're your pass catchers, right? And you've got to start three pass catchers, um, a minimum of three pass catchers, two wide receivers, one tight end. And then you've got some flex spots as well that could be filled with those guys if you don't have, you know, better options at, at running back. Super flex is going to be a quarterback at all times. Um, but those those flex positions, ideally we're getting running backs in there since they do have, you know, they generally have the higher floor. And... uh you know, it, generally speaking, they're going to have a higher ceiling than any any pass catcher. Uh, but man, in this format, that kind of changes, right? <laughs> We've when we're getting two points per reception from our tight ends. Things kind of change a little bit. So um, here's and I'm just going to kind of go through my own draft here a little bit. So I I started from the 110. I knew I was going quarterback extreme. Rocky wouldn't have allowed me to do anything different anyways. Like, this is why I'm in the league, is to take the quarterback extreme approach. Uh, I went from the 110. It went all all quarterbacks ahead of me. So, you know, I'm, I I took Aaron Rodgers. I, I am what I am. You know, I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, it, it was between him and Russell Wilson. Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley were also available um, all the wide receivers, all the tight ends, you know, but I, so, but for me, like I knew I was going to go quarterback. That's my, that's, that's my strategy. That's my roster build. I don't care that, you know, there are supposedly, and again, six point passing touchdowns is pretty powerful, right? Aaron Rodgers is a touchdown machine always has been and you know it's not a whole lot of rushing certainly not anymore um and, and Russell Wilson again again I still feel the same way I I've talked about this before my issue with Russell Wilson is the late season fades I get so tired of that it gets so annoying to me <laughs> so uh so I I took Aaron Rodgers I've got Aaron Rodgers ranked higher he's been more consistently elite and you know, then then anyone, not just then Russell Wilson, then then anyone, but he also takes advantage of that six point per passing touchdown better than anybody who certainly anybody who is available at that spot. So 
you know, I, I know that <laughs> not many people are going to agree with that pick. I took Aaron Rodgers over Russell Wilson. No other position was in consideration. Uh, my next pick came up at 203, and I got Ryan Tannehill. Again, same thing. You know, Russell Wilson had gone. Matthew Stafford had gone. Um, you know, it's guys like, it, you know, it's certainly guys with breakout potential, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungavailoa. You know, those are kind of the guys who who would have possibly been in consideration right there. To me, it's pretty easily Ryan Tannehill, but especially with the format. And then I traded up. Uh, I believe I I want to say I gave up my third round pick. Um, and certainly my 2022 first, I don't tell, yeah, that must be it, um, to, to trade up to 206. And it turns out, so I didn't realize this, um, at the time, but Rocky drafted at 205, took Travis Kelsey. He also had picks at 207 and 208, uh, where he got Devonte Adams and Darren Waller. If if I hadn't traded up here to 206, he likely goes, you know, 207, 208, he probably goes George Kittle, Darren Waller. And then he's got the top three tight ends, all, kept, all getting two points per reception. You know, so, like, we this league just dodged a major bullet. I trade up to 206, I take George Kittle. Okay, so... Back to the idea of, of lumping all the tight ends in together with the wide receivers and just calling it the pass-catching position, essentially. So George Kittle, you know, he probably goes at my tight end position instead of one of the wide receivers. But, uh, you know, obviously, but he's still a pass-catcher. He's still kind of in that same bucket. And getting two points per reception, he's easily my pass-catcher one kind of regardless of who I get. Even if I had Devontae Adams, even if I had Tyreek Hill, even if I had Justin Jefferson on this roster, even if I had A.J. Brown, to me, George Kittle is still the pass catcher one over any of those guys. You know, so it, it takes a little bit of the stress off of me to to get pass catchers at the wide receiver positions now because I've got, you know, I've I've got one of the absolute alphas catching passes for me. He's just doing it from the tight end position instead of wide receiver. So I had traded away uh, 310. That ended up being Baker Mayfield, by the way. Um, so, you know, that's that. And that might have even been the, the pick that I would have made right there, to be honest. Uh, my next pick is at 103. I just missed TJ Hawkinson. So actually what I did is I took rookie pick 1.03. Uh, or that, sorry, that's a pick 403. I took rookie pick 1.03. And the idea here is, you know, right now, I don't know for sure the way this roster is going to turn out. I'm, I'm pretty set on getting three more quarterbacks, getting to quarterback extreme. But if I fall short for whatever reason, you know, I now pick 1.03, that's well within the range for those rookie quarterbacks. You know, I can kind of pencil that in as as one of my five quarterbacks, and I can get you know whichever quarterback falls to me at the third pick. Won't be Trevor Lawrence, probably won't be Justin Fields. So I get my 
favorite quarterback out of the group, Zach Wilson, with 1.03. If Zach Wilson goes in 102, then I get Justin Fields. Either way, I feel pretty good about that. But if I end up with the five quarterbacks that I want, the five starting quarterbacks that I want for the, with the, you know, for the Superflex flywheel, then 1.03 can be a it can be a running back. It could be Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, whoever's in the better spot. You know, just to help build up the running backs. If I feel good about my running back group, plus I have my five quarterbacks, then hell, maybe I just grab Jamar Chase. I don't like drafting or or Kyle Pitts. You know, I don't like drafting rookie wide receivers. I don't really like drafting rookie tight ends. It takes them a little bit too long to break out. <laughs> and my rosters usually are ready to win right away. But, you know, if, if that's where my weakness is, then that's how I'll use the pick. And obviously, you know, with the ability to trade back too. Uh, so... You know, 103 is just, rookie 103 is just very versatile right there. So I took it over, you know, J.K. Dobbins, Calvin Ridley, T. Higgins, Tua Tunga-Vailoa. Like, those guys all would have looked very good on this roster. They would have made a lot of sense for this roster. I believe Noah Fant was still out there. You know, so there are some some guys who would have made a lot of sense with that pick, but they don't offer the versatility. They don't offer the range that 1.03 does. 1.03 is kind of, it's like a wild card a little bit. And I can figure out later, like after the draft, I can figure out, all right, so now retroactively, where, you know, where am I not getting enough energy into the flywheel that I can add, you know, give it a booster with that 1.03, with rookie 1.03. And so... You know, that that was kind of the reason for that pick is just that versatility, just that range to retroactively kind of fix my roster at later. Uh, 409, um, which uh, which was another trade. I end up at 409, um, traded back up. And, and apparently, I didn't know this, but I traded back up in front of Rocky. Uh, he was, he's a, I know, what I did know is he's a big Kirk Cousins guy. And that was kind of who he was targeting as his first quarterback. So I got Kirk Cousins at 409, right in front of Rocky at, at 410. Now I've got three quarterbacks, all with very good wide receiving cores, you know, all with some of the absolute stud wide receivers in this league. Aaron Rodgers thrown to Devontae Adams, Ryan Tannehill thrown to AJ Brown, Kirk Cousins thrown to Justin Jefferson. It's a strong group, right, quarterback, especially with this six-point-per-passing-touchdown format. And now I've got three quarterbacks well on my way to five. I can kind of shift my focus a little bit. I had traded out of my 5'10". That's how I moved up to get to uh, 409. I believe it was 5'10 plus my 2022nd. So I'm kind of running out of 2022 picks, but that's fine. I'm trying to win in 2021, not 2022. I'll figure that part out later. Got more than a calendar year uh, to get back into that draft if I need to. Uh, 6.03, I get Austin Eckler to be my running back one. Um, usually I like to to make a move for a running back earlier than this. Um 
you know, and, and if I had been picking earlier in the first round, I think, you know, I probably would have missed on Tannehill with my second pick. And, you know, I, I very well could have taken uh, my running back one in that group. And, and I probably got would have got somebody a little bit better um, with a little bit better situation than Austin Eckler. You know, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, they were all kind of in that range. Could have had one of those guys. Um, but, you know, I, I to me, Austin Eckler... You know, first of all, the pass catching gives him a nice safe floor. I think there's also great potential. I mean, in that offense, new system, um, you know, Justin Herbert learning his second system as a, as a pro here. There's They're going to lean on a running game. And there's a chance here that Austin Eckler ends up being kind of a workhorse for the Chargers. So, you know, I have absolutely no problem with Austin Eckler as my running back one. And again, I've got pick 103 in a rookie draft, which could be another running back who, and maybe they end up being my RB1, right? And Austin Eckler is my RB2 in a PPR league is pretty damn good. <laughs> you know, we're probably feeling pretty good about that group at that point. Uh, let's see, 710, I keep my own pick. Um make my own pick. It's Drew Locke. <laughs> I can't stand Drew Locke. I I don't think Drew Locke is a good quarterback. What I do think is that Denver does think he's a good quarterback, <laughs> and I think they're going to give him another chance to start. Um, I mean, maybe they get a, a, a little bit stronger backup for him, you know, than Jeff Driscoll. <laughs> maybe they bring in you know, trade for Teddy Bridgewater, Gardner Minshew, something like that. But the idea is going to be that Drew Locke gets another shot at the starting job for the Denver Broncos. You know, full year in the Pat Shermer system. He'll get a full off season. He'll get the preseason, blah, blah, freaking blah. He gets a, you know, it's a good offensive line all of a sudden um, with some minor question marks. Uh, it's, you know, it's, uh, we all know about the wide or about the weapons, you know, with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and, uh, KJ Hamler and Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick, Noah Fant, Alberto, like weapons everywhere. It's just like, just figure out a way to get them the ball. You know, it's right there in front of him, all the potential in the world. And you know, as long as he's going to be the starter, I think that we have to talk about Drew Locke as a potential breakout. I I don't like his talent. It's just the situation is almost too good to fail. You know what I mean? So, so and, and it's not like I was going out on a limb here for Drew Locke or anything. Ben Roethlisberger had just gone. Rookie pick 111 had just gone. So, you know, I'm, I, it's like this is Drew Locke territory. Like the next quarterback off the board uh, at eight ten was Ryan Fitzpatrick. So you know Sam Darnold was still available. We didn't know yet that he was going to be a Carolina Panther. So you know, like this is it was it was kind of it was Drew Locke, and then it was you know the bridge that is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then it was non NFL starters essentially. So. Drew Locke becomes my 
fourth starting quarterback. Um, still looking for one more. But again, I've got 1.03. I know that that can be a starting quarterback if that's what I need it to be. So, you know, at the moment, tentatively, I can put a check mark on the to do list for five quarterbacks after seven rounds. Uh, 8.03, Irv Smith Jr., another just trying to take advantage again of that tight end premium. And, you know, Irv Smith Jr. could, like, if the breakout happens, he becomes a flex, and he's he very well could be my pass catcher too. Him and Kittle together, you know, that's uh, that could be, if you know, it, it, it all depends on the breakout, of course. Like, the breakout has to happen for Irv Smith Jr., but if that happens and you get one of them at tight end, one of them at flex, you know, you're kind of, you put that combination up against just about any pair of wide receivers that anybody could come up with, you know, it's like, it's going to be tough for uh, the combination of Devonte Adams and Tyreek Hill. Those two didn't make it onto the same roster, but if they did, like Howard, it would be very difficult for that combination of players to keep up with the scoring of George Kittle and Irv Smith Jr. when they're both getting two points per reception. You know, so so feeling good about the pass catching group, even though I've yet to draft a wide receiver. Next pick is nine ten. I get Andy Dalton. He had just become the starter for the Bears. There's my fifth starter. Now all of a sudden, pick 1.03 can be, it can still be a quarterback. Rookie pick 103 can still be a quarterback, you know, especially if Chicago drafts one of those guys and ends up with, you know, Mac Jones, maybe Trey Lance falls to him. You know, I I could pick that rookie and complete the the pairing with Andy Dalton. I can also let that pick turn into, again, you know, whatever's weakest, running back, wide receiver, tight end, wherever I'm weak, I can kind of fill that hole, you know, put a Band-Aid on that with 1.03. So Andy Dalton gives me five quarterbacks through nine rounds. Pick 10, I finally pick a wide receiver, and it's Odell Beckham Jr. Now, I mean, I don't know about you guys, I... I'm I'm still pretty bullish on Odell Beckham Jr. This is this has been one of the best wide receivers in the game for a long, long time. It's just lately, it's just you know over the last couple of years, it's just been a matter of getting freaking healthy. You know, if we think that there's a breakout coming for Baker Mayfield, a lot of that's going to go to Odell Beckham Jr. Certainly a touchdown machine. And again, you know, we don't need him to be wide receiver one. I think, you know, a to be a top 12 wide receiver, I still think is within his range of outcomes, but that's not what I need from him. He's my pass catcher three. You know, a, a, if everything goes right with Irv Smith Jr. At the worst, Odell Beckham Jr. is my pass catcher two behind George Kittle. You know, so I don't need him to be, you know, what he was three, four years ago five years ago. I don't need that. I just need him to be, you know, roughly as good as the second best pass catcher on my opponent's team. That's all I really need from him. Just supplement George Kittle. That's all I really care about. 
And it makes it that much easier if I do get the breakout from uh, Irv Smith Jr. Pick 11, Zach Ertz, you know, another tight end to take advantage of that premium. Uh, Still waiting for him to get traded, uh, which would certainly help a little bit if we knew that he was going to get out of Philadelphia, especially if he's going to end, if he's going to land with the Colts, with uh, Carson Wentz and Frank Reich. Um, and you know, get that, get that level of production back would be great. Uh, pick 12, Gabriel Davis, you know, a breakout candidate. And again, I mean, like we might be talking about him as the pass catcher, you know, five or six. So very low expectation. Like I don't need a whole lot from Gabriel Davis going into the flywheel. A lot of these, a lot of the guys already have catching passes, you know, at tight end and uh, and at Beckham, you know, I really kind of have all the scoring I need uh, from you know from those starting positions and and flex. So so Gabriel Davis really is just kind of a uh, you know just just get me something from that second wide receiver spot, and the rest of this roster is going to do the rest for us. Uh, pick thirteen, Austin Hooper. More tight end premium. Pick 14, finally get my second running back. It's Mike Davis, who I think is going to be the starter in Atlanta. One of my favorite sleepers. You know, the whole thing with the the Superflex flywheel is the names kind of don't really matter too much. It's all about the roster build. Because if you've got a, you know, if you have the right mix of guys, it kind of doesn't matter too much who they are. So I haven't spent a whole lot of time talking about you know sleepers um you know buys and sells who are some who are some guys who are gonna break out who are some guys who are gonna bust I haven't been talking a lot about that just because again you know all that really matters is getting this roster build right we don't really we don't necessarily need to you know to focus on you know who who's going to do what, you know, we don't really need to focus on the names exactly. Um, but we'll have to get to that at some point. And Mike Davis is going to be one of my top, uh, one of my top sleepers. Another guy who's a great sleeper for me, pick 15 is Mike Boone, new running back for the Broncos. Uh, and to me, he's, he's the best running back on roster. He walks in and becomes, the best running back on that roster, better than Melvin Gordon. He made Philip Lindsay expendable. Man, I think he's going to take over that starting job. But you, you know, maybe you heard it here first. Maybe you didn't. But you know, that's those the two mics are going to be two of my favorite sleepers at the running back position. But again, you know, we're not so much worried about. Um, you know, if, if we get the right mix of players, they don't necessarily have to break out. Irv Smith Jr. doesn't have to break out for this roster because there's still Zach Ertz and Austin Hooper. There's two chances there, you know, for to for me to supplement George Kittle with tight ends at flex, even if Irv Smith Jr. doesn't do what we think he's going to do, you know. So with that being said, with a 16th pick, I get Todd Gurley. Either Mike Davis is a starter or Todd Gurley's a starter. <laughs> like one of those two guys. And you know what? If it's Gurley, 
it's only a matter of time before he misses some time with injuries or just gets replaced by Mike Davis because Mike Davis is just, you know, better, younger, stronger, you know, more energetic. Like both of them are going to serve this basically the same purpose in the same role at different points in the season. So that's why, you know, the name isn't nearly as important as the position, having the depth at the position and making sure that we've got guys who are going to fill that position. So, you know, that's going to be the name of the game for most of the rest of this draft is lots of running backs and, you know, mix in some tight ends, just get the the wide receiver depth to where it needs to be. But again, lots of running backs, um, you know, and it, and it almost doesn't matter who they are in all honesty. So, uh, 17th pick was Dawson Knox, another tight end to take advantage of that premium pick 18, Tevin Coleman, more running back depth. And man, he could be the, maybe he's a starter in New York with that regime change, quarterback change, you know, Sam Darnold is gone. Zach Wilson looks like he's going to be the new quarterback. You know, they're going to, they're going to rely on that running game. Someone's going to have to carry the ball for them and somebody's going to, you know, benefit from lots of checkdowns uh, from the rookie quarterback. Uh, pick 19, James White, pass catching, uh, pass catching running back. Um, you know, high, that's a high floor when you've got a running back that you can plug in and just know that he's going to catch some passes, convert some yards. You know, that's all you really need. Um, just a bunch of those guys and you, again, like the airplane controls, you just kind of, you know, you're just kind of picking the ones that you need at that moment, which one serves the function that you need at that moment. If I don't have a whole lot of healthy running backs at the moment, I just plug in James White. He gets me some points. It might not be a monster anytime <laughs> at any point in the season, but he's going to get me points. And then the you know the quarterback position just kind of supplements you know the uh, the deficiency at the running back position. You know, so just having that that floor is all we really need. And uh, you know we'll get the ceiling from the other positions. The flywheel distributes the energy to the running back position from those other positions. Pick twenty, Demarcus Robinson, the new starter taking over for Sammy Watkins, you know, linked to Pat Mahomes. (laughs) What else do you need to know? He's, you know, the big body wide receiver, always been an end zone target. Speaking of Sammy Watkins, he's picked 21, the new wide receiver one in Baltimore. Uh, Pick 22, Latavius Murray. Man, Alvin Kamara going into year five. Like that's just kind of, and it's tough because I love Alvin Kamara as a player always have, wasn't real high on him going into the season, you know, especially before they committed a contract to him. But it's just kind of that point in his career where we start to wonder where's the cliff, you know, and if it hits in year five, like it does to a lot of running backs, we see Latavius Murray back on the field and we've seen him be a very, very effective running back, very effective runner uh, in relief of Alvin Kamara. Uh, 2310, Le'Veon Bell, um, you know, just kind of a continuation, I guess, of that Kansas City offense with, uh, along with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Although, 
Le'Veon Bell might even. This says Kansas City. He might be a free agent. I'm not going to look it up right now. I'm already taking way too long. Uh, pick 24.03. Uh, third pick of the 24th round, Jordan Akins. Yet another tight end. Starting tight end for the Houston Texans. I don't know who their quarterback is, but, you know, Tyrod Taylor, Alex Smith, like those are kind of some of the guys linked to that that job if it's not Deshaun Watson. Those are both guys who lean on the tight end. So we feel good about that one for sure. Uh, 25-10, I get Cordero Patterson. Um, wide receiver designation, but he plays running back. I'm not sure why he still doesn't have, like, why he still has a wide receiver designation. He generally plays a running back position for the Bears. Um, you know, I, I, it's going to be a more effective offense now with Andy Dalton. Um, you know, and, and you can you can get into more creative play calling with a little bit more polished quarterback. Uh, I think Matt Nagy is going to have some fun with uh, both. Tariq Cohen and uh, Cordero Patterson out of the backfield. Uh, pick 26, Kiki QT. You know, Brandon Cooks is is still probably wide receiver one there. But, I mean, we saw once when, once Will Fuller went down, Kiki QT kind of became the top target for Deshaun Watson. So, you know, that's a it's a little bit of a hedge, I guess. Kind of the idea is... You know, one of those two guys, either Kiki QT or Jordan Akins, ends up being, you know, a big enough part of that offense uh, to be, you know, a, a starting consideration for this roster, for this flywheel. In the 27th round, Brian Hill, uh, you know, just to kind of complete the set, I guess, of Atlanta running backs, Brian Hill is the guy who looked the best to me uh, the last couple years. First, you know, with Devonta Freeman and then Todd Gurley there ahead of him. He's he's always looked like the best running back of the group to me. But now I think Mike Davis is the guy. But Brian Hill is, you know, he he would be next in line to get some work uh, if both of those guys went down. Uh, round 28, Justice Hill. Now, you know, Gus, Gus Edwards has kind of established himself as the number two behind Dobbins. But, you know, in the 28th round, to get Justice Hill, who's a kind of a change of pace type of guy who, you know, could be a, who who could certainly serve as like a pass-catching specialist type of role out of the backfield for Baltimore. Uh, 29th round, I get Jordan Howard, just re-signed by the Eagles. So, you know, the immediate backup to Miles Sanders, the goal line back. Um, he, he hadn't actually been signed when I made this pick. I was just, you know, I was anticipating that he's going to land somewhere and he's going to be the medicine ball <laughs> that you just kind of, you know, roll into the middle of the line and let him just kind of blast through for short yardage, um, particularly for scores. So, you know, where the pass catching specialists can kind of give you that, that high floor, you know, the goal line backs, it's, I guess it's more of a high ceiling <laughs> because they have to fall into the end zone. But, you know, that's still, it's fairly safe with them. Like, that's the one group of guys where you really kind of chase the touchdowns is the guys who just, like, that's their job is a blast through the line. And then my final pick, Darius Geis. 
I have absolutely no expectations of him to end up on a roster. If I do, it, you know, if he does, you know, we we kind of know. Again, so this is in the thirtieth round. So back off. Like this is this is twelve teams just drafted, you know, twenty nine other players uh, to get us to this point. So you know, in the thirtieth round, you know, everybody's drafting, you know, tight ends like Jay Sternberger, uh, quarterbacks like Mike Glennon, um, Jacob Hollister went, Devin Funches. <laughs> goes in that round it's like you know Tyler Conklin uh I didn't even know who Tyler Conklin was playing for Minnesota as it turns out so like that's the type of guys that are going in that range so you know Darius Geis absolutely no expectations he's the end of the bench you know if nobody takes a chance on him uh then you know he's my first cut the first time somebody's on waivers who's worth a pickup Darius Geis is gone and, you know, I've got a free roster spot. If somebody happens to give him a chance and, you know, he gets some kind of, if he gets any kind of role whatsoever as a pass catching back, especially, but, you know, he, like, he could, we know that he can be a workhorse type back. It, you know, and, and be very effective in that role. But even if somebody doesn't want to take that big of a chance, invest that heavily into him and just wants him for the pass catching this is still you know he he's one of the pass the best pass catching running backs in the league when he's in the league he's also one of the worst people on earth but you know it, it's that's that's <laughs> that's not what i'm worried about here what i'm looking for is fantasy football upside darius guys has that it's just a matter of finding a job so there you go. Like there, that's the roster. And then again, very heavy on running backs because, you know, we need a lot of them. They all have a path, uh, a, a defined path, you know, in, in the case of Darius Geis, like there's kind of a lot of, of milestones, a lot of benchmarks that he has to hit to get there. And he's an easy cut if he doesn't. You know, in some cases, it's it's a little bit easier to see that path. You know, in in the case of Latavius Murray, for instance, he's he's been there, he's done it already. You know, so it's it's kind of a a mix of a lot of different running backs. And again, so to me, looking at this roster, wide receiver is a the weakest position with Beckham. Uh, Gabriel Davis, Demarcus Robinson. There's a ton of upside, you know, Sammy Watkins. There's a, there's a ton of upside there, but it's the weakest position. But I don't, I still don't know that rookie pick 103 needs to be a wide receiver because again, if we mix all the tight ends and all the wide receivers in together, you know, I think this group of pass catchers is as good as anything else in this league. I think you can put that group of pass catchers up against any other any group of wide receivers and, you know, be just fine. So, you know, to me, rookie pick looks like it's 103 looks like it's headed for a running back. I still have the ability to trade away some quarterbacks and then pick one with 1.03, take advantage of their massive, you know, one for one uh, uh, quarterback for non-quarterback trade value, and then replenish it with pick 103. But right now, 
you know, it's, it kind of looks like it's going to be just more running back depth and actually another running back starter for me, uh, just in case my breakout guys don't end up breaking out. I, you know, I think Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, to me, I'll, you know, I'll take that, that tandem into the season, um, take them into battle. I'll take, you know, George Kittle, Irv Smith Jr. And then, you know, one of Irv Smith Jr., Zach Ertz, Austin Hooper, you know, one of those three guys, uh, at, uh, at, at one of the pass catcher positions as well. And then, you know, I, I think I can feel good about the wide receivers at that point. Um, and then again, it all starts with quarterback extreme. You know, that's kind of been the focus. That's the topic of conversation all off season, um, because that's the kind of the, the, the biggest cog in this, in this machine, you know, but the whole flywheel kind of works together. We need all of the positions, you know, uh, you know, out outputting some some energy into the flywheel for it to kind of store and distribute, and you know it, it's it's not a sexy roster on paper by any means, but it's every position is kind of synced up with the other positions, and they are they're doing that they're distributing the power throughout the lineup. The wide receivers are are deep enough and strong enough to where, you know, we don't have to worry too much about losing a ton of points at the wide receiver position. They're not the greatest wide receivers, but they're good enough. These are guys who are going to be targeted. They're probably going to get us, you know, at least in a- on average, double digits every week. The tight ends are going to, you know, make up for the deficiency at wide receiver. And we also, you know, I was able to go shallow enough at those positions that I could kind of load up on running backs, make sure that I'm, you know, pretty stocked up at running backs and then got to my five quarterbacks. And that's the big key, right? That's the whole, that's the whole thing with QBX, those five quarterbacks and the ability to stream within the roster, you know, create the advantage, the scoring advantage from the quarterback position and then distribute that, those points throughout the roster. So, you know that that's that's kind of the idea with the flywheel. I know <laughs> I know I'm I've gone way over time um, explaining this. It's it like it's to me it's a really important concept. It's also just kind of a fun one to talk about. You know, again, I hope that uh, that you'll take the time to go back and read those articles, a Superflex Life uh, from DynastyLeagueFootball.com. dot um, They're you know close to a year old now. But uh, they're still there, still archived, um, linked on my, uh, they're on my link tree, which is, uh, you can find on my pinned tweet. And, uh, you know, I, I, I hope that you'll go back and read those and, and um, you know, maybe the, the Superflex flywheel kind of makes even more sense when you read the full article, not just those, you know, randomly picked, eh, not random. Those uh, those excerpts that I shared, but yeah, let's uh, that's enough of that. Let's wrap it up for the week. Not even for the week. Let's wrap it up for a couple days, and then I'll have another another episode for you uh, very soon with a great guest, and we'll get into some rookies. Like I said, you've been patient, you've been good, 
you've let me, you've indulged me and let me talk about Superflex startups, about Quarterback Extreme, now about the Superflex flywheel. So it's time to talk some rookies. Scratch that itch. So we'll do that later this week. Let's wrap it up for there for now. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcasts Mega Feed. Uh, subscribe to Superflex City. Do us a huge favor and rate and review the Super Show. Um, help It just helps us to get to more people, touch on more topics that are useful to you, our super friends, uh, etc. Get at us on Twitter, at Superflex Show. Even better, though, just get to me individually, at Superflex Dude. So much more responsive to that. I keep up with it a lot better. Uh, but I can, uh, you know, retweet trade polls, answer questions in DMs, just have a conversations in DMs. It's That's how I prefer to spend my downtime, just so you know. <laughs> just in case you're, you know, you're nervous and self-conscious about reaching out and, and you know, you don't want to bug me or whatever. I can tell you, I know that there are analysts out there who, who you know, who don't want to spend the time you know, they feel like their time is too valuable for that. Mine is not. <laughs> Mine, I prefer to spend my time talking about Superflex. So, it might as well be you. Hit me up. Ask Superflex, dude. DM me. Tweet at me. You know, uh, mention me. Uh, send me those trade polls and I can retweet them for you. Whatever it is. However however you want to go about the conversation, let's do it. I'm, I'm in. I'm there for it. Uh, this episode was dedicated in loving memory to James the Brain Catullus. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Tell me.